Welcome to Existence. I'm Gabe. This is Zach. This is Lance, and this is Vic. Uh, and you've tuned into Life, Death, and Everything in Between. This episode, we're raising the question: Is perception reality? What's real, man? Uh, yeah. I mean, what? So, <clears throat> my thought when, when Zach first raised this question was: the two, my two immediate thoughts were one, the more narrow bandwidth your chief or your EDMC walks in on you, your supervisor, whatever, maybe walks in on you and sees you fucking off or appears to be fucking off and he perceives you to be fucking off and that's his reality. Uh, and the other discussion is on a, on a broader existential sense of our senses, perception, what is real. I mean, yeah, so, go ahead. Uh, the last week or so I've been thinking about this and I was thinking maybe I could find myself into one camp or the other. Uh, I kind of came up to the same two discussions that you just had. Uh, the first one, perception is reality, and the sad state of the world we live in. It's kind of the it's kind of the truth, but it's not. Like people that think about it, like us, or like most rational people, know that it's not the truth, right? The old saying, "Can't judge a book by its cover." You meet a person, <laughs> Randy, sleep, saying sleep and I'll watch. Rough. Uh, when you first judge a person, that first look at someone or that first uh, impression impression is super powerful this day and age because of how quickly we assess things, like how quickly we can assess uh, because of, of the, people. the the rate of of information that we receive is a lot higher uh, in yeah, the modern yeah. day than it used to mm-hmm. be. So the sad truth is that perception is reality the way you perceive someone initially could be reality to you right it could not be you could not judge a person 100 by what you first see them but it's very impactful the other way is uh i think perception is reality because as of right now is our like as humans we have no other way of perceiving the world around us in the more grand scheme of things uh only like our senses are what help us interact with this world that we're in i would disagree with that on the stance that we can have quantitative measurements that are uh independent of our our senses our individual senses yeah so we can have an individual bias of i don't know what color like this color you green that you see is the same color green that i see we can look at the wavelength coming off of it and see that the light is the same color and say that it is the same right. color or say it's different. Well, that that opens up something else, though, right? Because you still have to perceive that that you have to perceive as a number on a page or a screen that wavelength. You have to perceive it, and then you have to collaborate with another human through perception and communication, right? Mm-hmm. And agree that it's the same thing. Um. Now, yes, we can we can definitely say that, you know, wavelengths representing colors or rays or whatever are objectively real uh, or as objectively real as we can say. Um, and to really, I feel that to start sort of diving into this, we need to actually take a step back and ask what makes something real? What is real? Wow. (laughs) 
five That's seconds it. in, and we've already opening questions like, "What is real?" Uh, uh, go. That one's also a. Uh, I think that one's also relative. That's kind of hard to. So, I don't know. So I don't know. In the sense of the first thing, just the first thought that popped in my head, something tangible, not necessarily I can grab it in my hands, but something in this world that can be perceived by the human and also uh, extensions of us through like can be received using like scientific pro- scientific processes and cat in the background uh, scientific processes and observations that is real so, so is a dream what? real I would you say pre- yes it can be pre- you can dream, right? you can see the the function of the brain what is it doing a is it EKG is that the now that would that's is dreaming a real phenomenon right um that's but you're saying events inside of a dream i mean you perceive it right you see it you smell it you taste it you touch it you maybe taste it i don't know i dream about things sometimes um is that real at that point in time, it's real to you. What does that? I don't know. When, when we start talking about what does real, mean yeah. When we start talking about real, and we start talking about dreams, I I, I know I, I've watched some uh, documentaries on dreams in the brain that that talk about uh, the fact that dreams are actually like what we what we think they are afterwards, aren't what they actually are. If you look at the electrical impulses and what they translate to, they're just a bunch of images, not at the rate associated with like a video or real time, like a, f- a handful of frames per second, like real, like it's just a photo representing a scene, photo, photo, image, rather. Um, it would be like that's the concrete information and then your brain fills in the blanks. Yeah, absolutely. Like you're not actually seeing or experiencing any of that. Your your brain is filling that all that in. And I think that our brains because they are so good at filling in the blanks everywhere in life uh when it comes to talking about what's real and what's not i think even then it gets tricky because (laughs) because uh our brain is already filling in so much that what we already deem as real uh what we are actively perceiving around us the sight sounds taste touch uh is already being glazed over by the brain what it has unconsciously deemed irrelevant that happens a lot in waking life as well uh for example right you only see in your uh your sort of full uh eyesight capability 2020 or whatever uh for about eight degrees um outside of 18 degrees that's your peripheral vision already so despite the fact that you think like if you're reading a book you believe that you see clearly all the words on the page but in fact your brain is just filling in the blanks based on context yeah so at times based on how much of that the brain does um and really it's just a function of efficiency right the the amount of information you would have to process if you saw your entire uh, field of view with full clarity would be insane. Um, Now, we don't know the limits of the human brain, but based on our actual capabilities when it comes to vision, uh, 
it's not that high, right? And that's why the brain is so good at recognizing patterns is because it's a necessity to maintain continuity of awareness. Hmm. So then again, how much, and that sort of extends to like seeing something out of the corner of your eye, right? Or hearing a bump in the night, how much of what you perceive is real, even in waking life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that goes along the lines with like our primitive instincts to always keep us like, I don't know, like what, on edge, right? Yeah, I think that's that's a good conversation how much the the thought of like how much your mind actually makes up for that it, it's almost it's incapable of or it's inability to do things how much your mind automatically makes up for it to try to like the, the way we perceive things or reading pages on a book or whatever. uh and also like to that first statement the implications that has that our mind just tends tends to always jump to from one spot to another you look at someone dressed poorly or dressed in like shitty clothes you assume instantly perception is reality you look at someone you can perceive their their income you would you would even know this person and you could perceive their income not saying not saying we all do it but the tendency of a large majority of people is to perceive their income or their uh almost their motivation to like maintain themselves or you look at someone like fucking off the app work bench like those guys aren't doing anything or like shit she sees a fucking roving watch sitting down and thinks he's not doing anything like because he's not your, your mind doesn't your mind <laughs> doesn't play through all of the possibilities that can happen or that are happening just right uh so that's straight to that like what you assume because of what you're looking at and that proves that, that at least that statement proves that perception is not always reality Right. And so the reason that we assume like that, we're not assuming based solely on what we're looking at. We're assuming based on past experiences and mm-hmm. the context of the environment. And especially when it comes to interpersonal relationships, the context of society as a whole. Right. Um, because if you completely remove that context, then you have nothing, nothing at all. Right. Um you see uh, a man dressed in rags walking down the street and with no context, you haven't any idea what could happen next. He could uh, shoot straight up vertically 30 feet into the air and continue walking, right? A little excessive, but yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's it's hyperbolic, right? But mm-hmm. it's, it's just metaphor. Um, we really would have no idea. Uh, and that's part of, I think, why our why the human brain focuses less on direct perception and more on that pattern recognition and recollection, right? Um, the context of an event is frequently much more important in discerning the nature of the event than minute details of the event itself right say you're walking down a dark alley in the middle of the night and you see a man uh sort of hunched behind a dumpster now it doesn't matter what color the guy's shoes are except maybe for identifying him later when you're in the hospital because you got stabbed because you didn't use the context to determine you should get the fuck out of there yeah yeah you tried to flip the script. <laughs> hmm. 
so that goes that like that conversation is to the percep- the humans perceptions of each other is a lot of how like that ties into each other uh but then how do we discern what how far can we perceive this reality like that's something that has been on my mind thinking about this the last week so back in uh, i don't want to give it a rough time frame but like in, previously in history when humans would just tie random events together as like they perceived how the world works this is reality like how the universe and everything works how far can we go because now as time has gone we know that people used to think you would get sick because you had a like a curse or a demon or something in you but now we know of tiny little cell like tiny little singular cell organisms bacteria and stuff that make you sick uh people used to think uh rain came from the gods when it was just uh like precipitation in the clouds coming back down through through our advances in science we have we've moved to understanding processes in the real world real world where we are right now how far can we like go before we can't perceive this reality anymore or any yeah, further well, we we've learned we've been able to like perceive a lot deeper than we used to be able to but also in that i guess that gaining of that knowledge we also just discovered even more that we can't perceive I, yet the more you know the more you don't know like yeah personally i believe uh gabe and i talked about this like a while ago but like it just keeps going yeah i think for a long time i think uh, we'll keep going for a long time we'll keep discovering new and new things because you can prove a lot of stuff by people way smarter than myself off of like quantifiable data right um and to to sort of address zach's question a little bit further of how far can we go um at the end of the day no one knows right and it's kind of uh it's funny that you would um one of your examples was that people used to think that you know, you were sick because of curses and rain came from the gods and, you know, you had to sacrifice somebody to the sun god literally every day uh, or the sun would not rise. Um, and the question of how far can we go in our, our search for knowledge, right, it becomes a metaphysical question again because you're asking where is the boundary of perception and because... If, if we assume perception is reality, right, then the boundary of perception is the boundary of reality. And outside of reality, you step into the realm of the metaphysical, of, you know, beings without bodies that exist outside of time. And again, that's all theoretical. Uh, but can we go there? Don't know. I guess it was always... I guess, yes. I would, like, just to state my own belief yes because way back when everything that we discuss now was just theoretical yeah and at some point everything i wouldn't most things in science were just theoretical someone had just talked about them i think me and uh gabe have discussed this underway at some point like at some point you'll hit an ed- like uh you'll hit an edge and then someone's going to dare to imagine outside of that edge and that box that everyone is in of the things we know, the, the things we perceive and can prove in the real world, that box is a, a set shape, a set dimension. Everyone's inside of it. This is the world that we can perceive. And someone is going to go, hey, what, what lies outside that box? 
Everyone goes, I don't know. Someone goes, I think this does, or maybe this does, or maybe, maybe this idea. And then someone goes, let's try to prove that. Let's try to move down that line. Let's try to figure this out. And then eventually they find something that is outside of this box that we thought at one point would never happen, right? No one ever could think you could take medicine to get rid of an illness. People used to think you had to let your blood out, like crazy, wild stuff. And then that box moves. The box gets larger, and our perception of this reality gets larger. Right? Yeah. Even if initially we could never perceive something like that. So if if reality is bounded by our perception, right? If perception is reality, they're bounded one and the same, and we are constantly pushing our perception to be a wider view of existence, and we get to the point where we somehow achieve this state of, you know, beings who can perceive outside of time, who's to say we haven't already? That's true. It also depends on what context uh, you are using we in. It's true. Um, To loop back a little further and go back to my original question of what makes something real um, and sort of what reality is as a whole, most likely to me, a the closest thing to an objective reality would be the combined perception of every possible thing that has the ability to perceive right that would be the closest thing in existence to an objective reality so as you say if beings already exist outside of time then so must reality right for awareness to exist somewhere reality must exist because awareness is aware of itself which creates reality yeah so for there for there to be reality there must be perception of it is well without perception all of that up all of that up into if a tree falls in the forest and no one's around to hear it does it make a sound it can still be perceived it the act of perceiving something does not make it reality. The ability for it to be per- perceived, uh, oh Jesus, English, worst. Uh, the the ability to it to be perceived is what well, makes it reality. Difference? Yeah. So I, I'm one. I so if a tree falls in the forest, no one he- no one heard it. But if a tree falls in the forest, we know it will make sound waves. Even if no one heard it, it will make it will make. Airway or waves inside of the air that can be perceived as sound. But if there is no being to perceive it, if there is no receptacle for this experience, uh, then the interaction never existed. Like, for example, right? Um, electrons. To observe an electron, right? This is the. Um, the uncertainty principle, I believe. I need someone standing by to just Google all these things. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That is the observer effect. So, right, electrons. To observe an electron, you have to see it, right? Effectively, you have to shine a light on it. But an electron is so small that shining a light on it changes its characteristics, right? It'll change its speed or the direction it's going or whatever. Mm -hmm. So you cannot observe an electron without 
changing it. So, if nobody is around to observe the tree, you can't say whether it falls or not, which relates back to uh, Schrodinger's yep. cat as well. Absolutely. Yep. So if nobody is around to perceive a tree falling, the tree has fallen and has not fallen at the same time. It is both. It's a it's probability. On the on the the slim chance back to the tree, if man has observed a million trees falling and everyone made a sound, no matter how small, no matter how large, I would assume there's a you can go down the route that there's a tiny, minute chance that, that tree fell with, like I'm I'm talking on the scale of millionth like degree that it didn't make a sound then i you can tie together the act of perceiving something and the ability to perceive it you can separate those two things but i don't think in the scientific field that we are in the testing that we see like the experiences that every human has like something as the tree falling in the forest we know that trees fall when trees fall they make noise even if I don't hear the if I don't hear the noise, I know a tree fell and made a noise. Well, wait, we know that when we see trees fall, they make noise. Or when we hear trees fall, they make noise. Right? Yeah, you, I mean, we've only ever seen trees that we've observed. We've never observed I mean, a tree that we've really You don't observed. have to look at a tree. You could be standing behind like facing away from a tree, a tree falls. Still perceiving it. You, you still, it perceive still perceiving it. it. So you don't actually have to see the tree fall to perceive the tree falling but or the noise from the tree but like the thing that you are perceiving is still going to happen well yeah if you're perceiving it for sure but if no if you're not it's not the thing you you would have perceived like that you it has the ability to for someone to perceive it it doesn't need to be hmm words are hard so it it does need to be, is what I'm saying. If you can look at the tree and see that it has is is down, not upright, you can infer that it fell, and you can infer that it produced a noise off of our prior experiences and observations. But because you weren't there, you can't say that it fell and it made a noise. It could have miraculously fucking been placed, uh, grown that way. Uh, there is the the probability of atoms arranging in a way that you can like just pass through things the atoms could have just arranged that way like these minute probability that we don't know much about i don't personally know much about uh we didn't perceive the event the action of the tree falling to know whether or not it made a sound therefore we cannot say with certainty that it made a sound the now other- now so you're just as there's a difference between a tree that has fallen and is on the ground and a tree that is on the ground i'm saying like you're saying you're saying if a tree falls, if a tree goes from upright to to falling on the ground. Yes, a tree that is horizontal on the ground. Yep. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, did it make a sound when it fell? Yes. You can infer that it did, but you were not there to perceive it. What is the the event, the action, the moments that happen? The happened, action like, of falling will the, cause the, sound, the, even if you didn't perceive it. But if, if there was no one there to perceive it, right? <clears throat> For me, this, this ties more into like a little bit of uh, a certain niche of simulation theory 
where it talks about uh, everything around you to help with the... I think it was actually from Kirskasak. Thank you. Uh, talks about everything around you to, to aid in a supercomputer's ability to fabricate the world around you is hollow. And that it only yeah, heard, yep. is generated, like the inside is generated, once you cut into it. The, the, the act of trying to perceive inside of it is when they, the insides are made it's like there is the possibility that like when we're not there things aren't happening granted that's a that's a centric view of uh, uh simulation theory view but like the mm-hmm. the <clears throat> rationale so that's stand. not just that's not just a simulation theory view right that's one of the principles of string theory uh as a, a concept of quantum physics is that when observed let me, let me start over Outside of observation, everything exists as just probability, as probability waves. When you perceive something, it collapses into a concrete state, um, which is also the concept behind Schrodinger's cat, right? Until you open the box, the cat is both alive and dead because it's either one. You don't know until you open the box. Nobody knows until box is opened so it is both and functions as both so what we've determined here is that reality relies on perception it's either reality relies on perception or i mean yeah that's one way to say it uh reality is only what is perceived but then if everything exists as this sort of um, wave-particle duality of, of probability, then that's still real if it exists, right? That goes back to, you know, what is real? Are dreams real? If, if you, uh, you know, go to an alien planet in a dream, does that planet exist? Because you perceived it? I don't know. It, it, it gets tricky with the dreams because, for me, because looking at how it's the brain smoothing over the gaps and not... You're, you're perceiving the images, but it's not all the senses being perceived. Like, the brain acts differently when experiencing the dream by experiencing the world around you. Yeah, absolutely. Um... But something that I, my, my mind keeps coming back to when we're having this discussion is in, in the Midnight Gospel, uh, the first episode, Clancy talks to Glasses Man uh, in the blimp at the end and talks about how. It's you, Dr. Drew, by the way. I'll take your word for it. Uh, Great show. <laughs> uh, he he talks about how like the if the universe is. A dolphin and we are a fishing net we're entangled in ourselves we think we are the phenomena and the observe yeah we think the phenomena and the observer are one and the same but we are the observer tangled up in the phenomena we are two separate things confused as one thing we are two separate things yeah yeah, yeah. so like we consciousness the observer and the phenomena the physical world uh it talks about how they are entangled but different 
separate. And that thought has been looping around because if we rely on, because saying whether dreams are right, well, we can trace them back to our electrical impulses in our brain and we can, we can see that they <clears throat> exist in the physical world by existing in our brains as uh, electrical signals that are is passing information like the the stimuli exists in our brain but if we think about the observer and phenomena being separate but entangled then for me reality you know reality is always warped for me but reality is warped specifically here because <clears throat> If you're talking about the experience, the experience is real independent of the stimuli because of that possibility of independence from one another, the phenomena and the observer. Is, is there a possibility of independence? I think so. Because we exist as observers through physical instruments, right? Yeah. To observe, we create phenomena. That's what we do. We have to observe through phenomena. If you want to, if you want to feel something, you have to touch it. Yeah. And something happens when you do that. When we look at something, light rays are reflected into our eyeballs, uh, and then they jiggle around in our eyeballs. Right? Something happens. Yeah. So, can is it possible to perceive without having some effect? whether or not you perceive that effect separately, right? Because if you, you know, uh, uh, if you want to feel how something squishes, you squeeze it, right? Yeah. And you're very aware that you are squeezing it and you are producing an effect on it. Who's to say that by perceiving anything at all, you're not giving it just a little squeeze? I think that while I agree that senses are dependent upon the phenomena, it always comes back to thought for me. Thought and consciousness. I, I understand the relationship it has with the brain, how, how that works as we understand it, but I think there stands the possibility of thought that exists outside of a physical world. Yeah, I guess, I mean, that goes along the lines of, like, there is a possibility for everything. But... What, at what point do we rule that out, though? At what point do we say the possibility of this happening is so ever infinitesimally small that we can rule it out as a thing? Like you said earlier, there's a chance that I touch my desk in a minute and my hand in the particles in the desk have lined up ever so perfectly that my hand goes through the desk but at what point do i stop living my life fearing i'm gonna fall through the floor and then we just like we move on with what we actually can perceive in a almost uh analytical tangible state that i can say with almost certainty that i can put my hand on this desk right now and it's not gonna fall through i like, would say we tend towards ruling things in vice ruling things out we don't look at this i've been alive this long i've experienced this many 
things, this, this many actions and consequences, this thing has never happened, so it will never happen. I, I think rather we, we observe the world around us and we, as we see different phenomena occur, we rule it in, never ruling things out. I, I like to live with that open-mindedness of saying that anything's possible, I just haven't observed it yet. Or we as a species, because even though we do take up however much space we take up on Earth and as a species, there is still so much of existence that is uncharted that leaves the possibility for these things that we haven't seen. So rather than ruling things out, I like to rule things in. Yeah. I mean, How much existence? What do you mean? How much of it is uncharted? How much is so much? I mean, <clears throat> if if we look at the classically accepted, you know, planet, solar system, galaxy, I don't know, because that's that cluster moving out from there, I mean, all that. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> that's, a bit, that's a bit. Also, going the other way with it, going going inward, right? Like, I, I do not, I'd love to get my brother on here because he knows far more about this than I do as far as physics go, but the uh, ingress into, like, as we move closer into <clears throat> cells and and atoms and we look at uh the nuclei of atoms and we get down to what i don't even know about when we get down to quarks and, and stuff like that if we keep improving our technology and moving inward who's to say there isn't more that is inward because like the, the the chances for for things occupying the same space it it might be not at the atomic level it might be at the subatomic level like so what you're saying is what we talked about earlier. Reality is bounded by our ability to perceive it. You're saying sure, it can move, it can move inward or outward, in any direction, limited only by our capacity to perceive. Only limited by our perspective. World. Yeah, I know. Yeah, um, but I, I, while I agree that our reality is bounded by our perception and our perspective, I don't think that that should limit our thoughts, limit our hypotheses, limit our dreams, our what what might be, our questions. Because as soon as we try to, as soon as we believe that our questions are limited by our perspective, we cease to expand our reality and push that that dome out further of what's out here, what's out here. If we are fit to say, well, that's that's outlandish. I'm going to stick to these kind of questions that make more sense. If we don't ask the outlandish questions, we'll never push the, the boundary and find out what our limit is. How much more reality there is. Granted, uh, I think that <clears throat> there is, uh, we're going to have to have, and I, we'll talk about this and all this stuff, but like, there's going to be a lot of, have to be a lot of other roadblocks overcome in society and civilization to get to the point where we can focus our efforts 
and our time towards research and understanding. Um, oh, yeah. To get to the point where we can... Because to get to the point where we can push our boundary of perception and reality, because we're going to get to a point where we are limited by the tools we have available to us until we make new ones that are better. Uh, and if we're too busy fighting each other over stupid things like our skin or where we were born, we're going to die in the mud. Well, we'll all die in the mud anyway, yeah. Sure. But I, uh, you know, I agree with you, obviously, but I, um, I wouldn't be too pessimistic about it, right? I mean, humans have been killing each other, uh, violently over, uh, greed, almost exclusively, almost entirely greed, sometimes zealotry, um, since we've existed, since all of recorded history, right? But we've still come this far. That's true. And I think uh, we're going to continue to move forward uh, because ultimately that's one of our our sort of defining traits is curiosity, um, both as humans and just as sort of animals. Uh, because I, it's all about risk-reward, you know? Yeah. So I watched Interstellar for the first time underway, uh, Vic. Ah, man, that movie's sick. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, And while I agree that we have overcome our issues as humans in the past to continue to push forward on science and math and Mm -hmm. perception and learning knowledge, if something arises that like in Interstellar where just, yo, shit just isn't growing no more, if there is some sort of great filter that we run into uh, that kills us all before we have pushed to the point where we can overcome it. Like, almost imagining, like, hurdles or a fucking pole vault, and it keeps getting higher, and we keep getting over it, but what, like, a great filter, like, when we get to the point where we can't, if we've been too preoccupied with the same nonsense to overcome the next hurdle, what if, and that's it, there's no, oh, dust yourself off, try again, like that's, you, you, uh, and you're dead. Everyone's dead. Yeah, I think it's just, great, it goes back to, go ahead. So there's always great minds, like, striving to push, maybe not, not necessarily to, like, get past the great filters they might not be thinking about that but along the lines of like we're currently trying to colonize mars yeah like that's I, huge I, that's awesome yeah yeah uh yeah i think your your opinion sorry to cut you off lance if you have yeah. more uh that's really bad. i think it goes back to what vic was saying that's a very pessimistic view of the world because if you look back at history a lot of the great defining moments in in human history is our ability to come together which it's sad that it takes great suffering and strife or great filters to bring us together to uh, overcome these things. But I do agree after those things are over, we tend to revert back to our uh, greedy, uh, uh, pessimistic kind of hateful ways that we are because that's just, I don't know, we haven't learned yet. 
but times. the ability for something to get in humanity's way and then humanity to come together, I think it's very pessimistic that you would think that of it. It's very, I think it's very pessimistic that you think that eventually one day it would just come to a stop. Right? Well, no... two things. First of all, could totally all come to a stop. Um, yeah, yeah that's, kind of like right now. Nature, like... I mean, it could, right? Uh, that goes back to that probability. Um, but let me, let me clarify what I said before. I do agree with you, Zach. Um, when I said that there's no need to be so pessimistic, I, I did not mean at all that we don't need to get over more shit. Progress will just continue. We absolutely have to get over shit, but that's what we do. Like Zach said, um, times of hardship create these huge innovations um, and really allow humanity to sort of show its potential um, either out of desperation and necessity uh, or to to just try and be better. Um, I lost my train of thought. I, I see what you're getting at, but I... I, the distinction I want to make is it's not like I, I think that we're going to have a World War Three and that's going to be the end of us. Like, oh, you know, the good guys aren't going to, the, the good people aren't going to band together and fight whatever good fight it is. Or it's, we're not going to, like an alien race is going to come down, we're going to do everything we can to fight it. I, I don't think it's, a, I, I, I don't like to romanticize it. I think it's going to be something like a fucking asteroid hits us or we, we are, are, really working hard to try and push technology then we accidentally inadvertently make a black hole and it's just done there's no fight to be had there's no like there's there's no romance about it. we can't band together as a race it's just like we like a great filter happens it, we we're not insightful enough to work towards different avenues like it, i i think that the the colonization of mars is a is a a great avenue for us to take because if we're not trying to expand to a, you know, class, the type one, type two, type three civilization, uh, and we're not trying to preserve life, which is an inherently fragile and, and interesting and special thing. Then we are failing ourselves we're failing those around us we have a responsibility to it i feel almost and i think that i, I don't know the, the thought that i keep going to currently is for my example is in interstellar where <clears throat> people all gave up on engineering and and space because food ran out and then they said the moon landing was faked and they stopped worrying about engineers and flight and space and stem and they just focused on farming because farming would save us and well hang on what does the fake moon landing have to do with with interstellar they said the moon landing was faked well it was <laughs> moving on um do you, listen you believe in the moon uh <laughs> the moon's flat earth is flat, All flat. <laughs> the moon's flat uh the moon I... is god <laughs> 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 uh, I, I think is God. <laughs> I think that we 
there isn't an urgency enough about it, about the time that we have here. I I cited the time Pink Floyd song last one, but I think that people are not actively engaged in their life moment to moment and thoughtful about the time that they are gifted in this physical world and because of that they don't have the forethought to safeguard against some of these great filters and something will happen that we could have done something about like the stellar engines on Kira's Kasak where it's like oh you know what NASA did this cool thing they found out in 225,000 years an asteroid is going to smash earth we could we could build one of these stellar engines 175,000 years to move the sun and thereby the galaxy the the solar system out of the way and thereby earth out of the way and not get smashed by this asteroid but people have been so worried about their skin cells color and where they were born and how people talk and look that we didn't get started on that till 45,000 years down the road, 50,000 years down the road. Now it is, it is literally too late. We cannot make this thing fastest to move out of the way. We didn't get the, we just, we, we missed the curve. We missed the opportunity and it's fucked. Well, here's what I'll say on that. Um, I'll say we missed the curve on the, you know, the star engine. Um, star engine's not the only possibility, right? We could hit them with a little bit of Armageddon, send a team of convicts to the asteroid. Again, this is with a dumb the metaphor. Reference. With the movie reference. It's a dumb metaphor, but there's never only one option. Yeah, yeah I'll give you that. And uh, I mean, the fact, the fact that you are, you know, decrying current, uh, current strife and conflicts from a, from a personal level to a geopolitical level goes to show that there's never only one action. Um, now, obviously, uh, based on context clues and past experience, uh, we can safely say that right now, the trajectory we are on globally as a species is not great, and it doesn't look like we're going to pull out of it, you know, tomorrow. Um, but just because that's the path we're on doesn't mean that we have to follow that road to its end. It's true. I agree with you. Get on the, uh, the ship to Mars, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's Start actually out. too late for that. Well, fuck. Uh, the, first <laughs> Mars, the first Mars colony ship, um, they recruited for that in, like, the early 2010s. Wow. Oh. More fucked. Man. Yes, there are already. Uh, I think it's. I think it's eight people. They picked a bunch of kids, um, a bunch of little kids. They're training them now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they picked people uh, specifically with no, you know, families or anything. Um, and they were all volunteers. But I think it was eight people who volunteered to go on the first shuttle to Mars yeah. to attempt to establish the foundations of a colony. Um, and man. If that's not, like, awesome. the most human thing... Because here, here's the thing, right? They volunteered for that shuttle. They don't come back. Nope. They die on Mars. <laughs> and if that is not the most human thing, to volunteer for something like that, to have a desire uh, to go to a completely alien world that you know nothing about, and you've lost all those context clues because you're on fucking Mars... Um, <clears throat> excuse me 
uh, to have a desire to go to that completely alien world for the betterment of humanity, right? That That's definitely a factor in wanting to volunteer for something like that. But frankly, I think the main factor in wanting to volunteer for that, curiosity. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, I want to see Mars. Are you kidding me? That'd be, like, there are four the... people here. Who would not volunteer to go to Mars? True. Yeah. No. We feel right at home flying over there. Uh, I think that is the most literal sense to tie this back into perception of reality. That is the most literal sense of expanding humanity's reality. If, yeah. if you understand what I'm saying, the, yeah. the yeah. most tangible that you can get is like, I have, we have moved humans from this life-sustaining rock that we are on to another rock that we are going to sustain life on to then give people the ability to perceive their world, their life on this rock. And then eventually romanticizing it one day we move from that rock to another rock or we move even to a whole other sun or something like something like that the most literal sense of expanding our reality there's two things one the book that i lent to lance underway uh be here now by ram das i talked about how I, I, the explorer is curious for the experience but an adventure that leads into like a fiery death and a journey into oblivion where you cannot truly experience that and and regale that experience to reflect on it is an oxymoron like an adventurer who is curious about the unknown would not want to do that because he can't he won't be able to learn about it yeah he won't be able to share it won't be able to um well sharing would be for the betterment of humanity right sure um, but like Are you talking it, about sharing or bragging, I, I'm not bragging. Not I'm I'm talking more about the fact like in I got it back to Interstellar because Interstellar's in my fucking head now because we're talking about space. When he goes in the black hole, like he experiences what he does there. He goes in and I'm, I don't know who haven't seen it, but I'm not going to spoil it. But he experiences what he does there. But like spoil it, it's been out for like eight years. Yeah, I guess spoil it. And he goes in and the fifth dimension thing with the bookshelf and all that. But like. If he went in there and there was just, he just died, oblivion, blackness, like Lance believes, it's just it. He's done. No, you believe Lance, you die, you're just done. Yeah, just about. Yeah, uh, right. that's a whole different. That's a whole different. Yeah, we'll talk about topic. that. Yeah, oh man. Um, that is that dissuades a lot of adventurers because the adventure can't be experienced. Um mm -hmm. and well, but can't be experienced. After the the moment of death, if it is oblivion, you're no longer experiencing after that. Your senses of perception uh, have been okay. negated. You no longer can perceive this reality. You are just you're gone. Well, if 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 that's what you believe in afterwards, which a lot of people do believe. Like, yeah. And two second point, another quote from Midnight Gospel: uh, Health is meeting reality on reality's terms. Okay. Yeah. Which is interesting to me. Those two have been stuck in my head again for the past few minutes. Um, thought I'd like to share them. It's pretty good. Reality's terms. It's kind of a give and take, I suppose, because how much influence do you have on your reality and vice versa? I give a lot. Oh, th this is actually a great topic that I wanted to talk about. Our influence on our own reality. So... This is what I was thinking about. 
uh, one day going to the gym. Um, the almost the mood or the emotion you perce- you perceive reality with, I I think has a huge impact on how your actual reality is, uh, because going to work or something, let's just say waking up and going to the gym and not wanting to go to the gym. And it's just, you're dreading it, you're tired, you don't want to go to the gym, but you show up and you do it anyways because you are disciplined to go there. If you, just your mindset of being there, like if you accept the fact that this experience that you're going to do is beneficial, like you know the gym is beneficial, or you're at work and you, uh, I've talked, we, me and Gabe have had long conversations about this, but if you, take those interactions with other human beings and you enjoy them and you you understand that like this moment will never come again no matter how shitty it is no matter what work you're doing and you turn that light into something that's um almost enjoy and like get enjoyment out of it like underway totally shitty like i guess we can all agree that being underway is way worse than being import always that's pretty fun i mean (laughs) shut up lance you're master i don't know uh, that refit at the end of 2018 was a lot worse than being underway. Oof. All right. That. You stand a reason, that, but we all can agree that's the worst time in our naval careers at this point. But yeah. Uh, underway, we were sitting there during like at family movie night watching Pitch Perfect because that's what you do when you're underway. And I remember thinking to myself, enjoying that moment, and realizing like my whole perception of being underway completely. I wouldn't say completely changed, but it impacted the way I perceive reality. My I perceived my reality that I was in at the moment. Uh, and I believe that uh, if you can change the way you perceive the world, like the the filter through which you perceive the world, can have a positive impact on your reality. I mean, that is your reality, right? Is your perception is the filter. Do not. Well, guys, uh, I think that about wraps it up for our talk for today. Uh, so there's our thoughts on if is perception reality and uh, everything around that. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And as always, it's been life, death, and everything in between. Feel free to reach out to us and get in contact with us through our email, our YouTube, or Discord, or any other way you want to come talk to us. Uh, we hope you enjoyed your visit, and until next time. I'm going to astral project to Taco Bell.